Well, good afternoon and thank you once again for joining me for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another very interesting show lined up for you this week. Later in the program, we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Tips. This particular one is Coach Employees to Be More Creative. Then we'll also be having our chat with Christina and we'll be, we're up to uh, topic number five of the uh, homework we set for four weeks ago. Tonight's, today's one is talking about finding your niche market. And that fits in very nicely with our next guest, Kimberly Claire Campbell, who's a digital advisor at the Hunter Region Business Hub, who's going to talk with us about your marketing strategy. Good afternoon, Kimberly. Good afternoon, Julian. Thanks for joining us again. So I suppose we have to start off with what is a marketing strategy? So it's, I think what we do all the time, we think about connecting to our clients, but we don't really have a strategy behind it. So having a strategic approach means that every piece of content that we create for our business has a purpose. So whether we're developing primary content like a blog or a video or micro content like social media posts, there is a purpose behind it that we want to achieve for our business. So making those marketing materials to, to achieve those business goals. So, uh, I mean, strategy is a big word. You've made it nice and simple for us. But small businesses lack the marketing team and budgets that the larger organisations have. Do you think many small businesses will have a marketing strategy? Look, I think most of them don't. They're really pressed for time and money. And whilst they know that marketing is essential to their business, they really don't understand how to market to their ideal customers. And I think that leads small businesses to adopt a scattered approach to marketing. So it really makes it harder for them to achieve their goals. And, of course, a scattered approach means uh, probably more money and not knowing whether it's working. So yeah. h- how do you develop a, a strategic marketing plan? We recommend that you start off right at the beginning with a basic marketing, um, basic business plan. So it doesn't have to be super detailed, but you really want to know what your long-term goals are for your business and then work out what the short-term goals are to get you there. And your marketing plan will look at those goals and give you a way to reach your customers, connect with them to achieve those goals. Um, We like to say that your marketing plan and your content strategy guides the type of content that you develop, the words you use, the emotions that you evoke in your customer and the images you use. So the content forms a marketing funnel which ultimately leads to sales. So you, you just mentioned this marketing funnel. Could you explain what that is? Yeah, it's a way of getting people into your business and it's the process they travel through to become a client or, or um, buy from you. So there are seven phases. There's the awareness phase, the consideration phase. Then we move into intent and trust. And then right down the bottom of the funnel is purchase, repurchase and our advocates or cheerleaders. So can you explain for our listeners how their sale funnel and contents work together with those sure. uh, seven points? Sure. So the widest part of the tunnel is the general awareness and that's the kind of content that you create when people are just interested in general information to help solve their problems but they've not got to the point where they're really aware that they need their problems solved. This is the kind of content that you'd see when you're looking through magazines at the dentist or scrolling your phone on your phone waiting to pick up your kids. 
And I liken it to the window shopper phase. So I'm sure we've all been there. Just I'm just looking. I'm not really ready to purchase. And social media posts really come into that awareness phase. The next phase is the consideration phase. And people have become aware that they've got a problem and they're now looking for solutions. So they'll dip their toes in the water to find out what's available to help them, but they're still not ready to commit to purchasing. So in this phase of your sales funnel, we would suggest that you create shorter blog posts and videos to answer your frequently asked questions those ones that you get on the phone all the time talking to new clients or customers because this gets engagement in this early stage of the funnel and Pinterest is a fantastic tool that you can use in this consideration phase because that's where people are browsing. Going deeper into the funnel, the third and fourth phases are the intent and trust phases and we see people now have an intent to purchase and they've narrowed their search down to just a few businesses that are looking for more information and they're really trying to learn what the business is about, what it has to offer, and if they're trustworthy. So this is the time that you need to provide deeper, more detailed information for your potential customer or client. So here we would suggest that you make long blogs and definitely over 500 words. And if you can get closer to that two or 3,000 um, word blog, you're going to have lots of juicy detail and lots of keywords in there to help Google find you and your customers understand what you do. And also videos over five minutes because people will watch longer videos. And at this stage, you really need to focus on how your products or services are supporting your customer and what benefits they have and how you're different from everybody else out there. And in those technical businesses, uh, case studies are fantastic and for products definitely go for customer testimonials and reviews and then the final phase of the marketing funnel is the buying repurchasing and advocate phase and here it's essential to provide consistency and reassurance to your customers because they they need to know that you're trustworthy and that they're spending their money with you and it's a safe purchase they're not going to get scammed and this part of the funnel, that end phase, it also includes your shopping cart process. So if you've got an e-commerce site or a booking process online, part of this content includes your sales um, confirmation emails, your shipping emails. And this is all part of the strategy that we often forget about. So we need to remember to send out follow-up emails to our customers after they've received their products and services. It's a great opportunity to check that their shopping experience went smoothly or their consultation was helpful, but also really important to ask the client for a testimonial or review because small businesses really forget that this is an essential part of what we need to do, that follow-up and asking for reviews. So if things didn't go well, now you've got an opportunity to fix it because you actually know about it. And if things did go well, then t um, customers could be very keen to send you images and testimonials. And any customer-generated content is the gold in your marketing strategy. It's the, the information or the images that people trust the most. So it sounds very much like we're, we're talking to our customers at whatever stage they are in that buying process, face-to-face. You know, -face. It's, it's a bit like that. So apart from the sales, how do we know that our marketing plan and sales funnel are producing results? 
Yeah, and this is the bit that I think most small businesses forget about, um, but it's really important, and that's tracking and measuring their content. It's really essential to refining the marketing strategy. So you need to know which content is performing the best, which content you need to discard as it's not serving a purpose and it's just costing you time and money to create, and which goals you're achieving and which you aren't achieving. And by looking at your back end of your business and, and seeing what's working and what's not working, you can build a stronger marketing strategy. So are there any tools that we can use to track our results? The best one, and it's free, which is always good for small business, is Google Analytics. And you can get that installed on your your website. As I mentioned, it's free and it tracks every click, every page scroll, duration that people spend on your website on particular pages. You can even um, nailed down to the kind of um, equipment that they're using. So, you know, iOS or Windows or are they on a mobile device, which really helps with design of your website as well. And you really want people to be on your website for as long as possible because you've got the greatest chance of converting those customers. And I'd also do the old-fashioned bit of when you're having an in-person conversation with a customer or client, Ask them, how did you find out about me? People don't mind asking that. A simple quick click, sorry, a tick on on a piece of paper in a column will give you so much valuable information about what's working in your marketing strategy and what's not. Good, excellent. And I know that a, a free tool, of course, is uh, the government-sponsored uh, digital program that uh, the Hunter Region Business Hub runs, so people could go and have a look at your website. Definitely. Thanks very much for your time, Kimberly. We'll have a chat with you again next month. You're welcome. Thanks, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Kimberly Claire Campbell there with the Hunter Region Business Hub helping us yeah, plan that marketing because uh, she's right. Too many small businesses just do that ad hoc, ad hoc marketing and waste a lot of money. Time to have our chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. And... Uh, we're looking at topic five, so we're moving through those topics now. Finding your yeah. niche market. We are indeed. So just to recap, number one was take risks, be a visionary. Number two was, um, oh, sorry, that wasn't number one. That was last week. Now is the time to show up, trust and transparency, number one. Values, vision, mission, number two. Network and collaboration, number three. Take risks and be visionary, number four. And today, find your niche, the world is your market, as you said. So really important that in this time of COVID, in the time of lockdown, you are still mindful as a small business, as an entrepreneur, of who you're hanging with. So, you know, let's just revisit the cliche, you are the sum of the five people that, that are closest to you in your network. Who are you hanging with? Um, but there's some other questions that I really like to ask around this as well. So one of those questions is, who are you stretching your impact and your intellect with? So in what circles is your intellect stretched? So you have to go and look things up, read a different book, you get enthused in a topic and, and ask questions about it. Um, and where do you want to have the greatest impact? So how are you stretching the ability to have impact? That was, that was kind of like questions one and two. And question number three is, where is your tribe? Do you have a geographical tribe? Do you have a topical tribe? Where are they? Where are they? What times do they keep? Um, you know, if you're in the gaming world, your tribe keeps totally different times to, to 
um, other people in other organisations, other fields. So where are they geographically and where are they topically? Next question I want to ask everyone is, as well as the niche market tribe, where is the generalist tribe? Because it's from your generalist tribe that you're going to get information that you can adopt and adapt out of other industries. Generalists tend to share a lot of information because that's what generalists do. Uh, and it's really important that we take on board things that are not just within our own specified niches. Um, next question that I'd like to ask everyone is, what plans are you making post the COVID travel bans and the border closures? So what plans are you making to actually physically take part? We just had a brief conversation, Julian, about the energy in the room and how lovely it is to be with people. So mm. what plans are you making? What have you booked yourself into? And until such time, what webinars are you taking part in that you can actually have communication on? You know, it's the webinars where you just get a chance to listen is, is one thing, but the ones where you can interact with people and have conversations, whether they're webinars, whether they're courses, whether they're workshops, really ask yourself, what are you getting out of them? Um, and is that, is that time well spent? And what types of conversations are you really enjoying that stretch your intellect, stretch your impact, you realise that you're in a great tribe of people, um, there are some generalists in the room, etc. So how can you maximise this time to find your niche because the world truly is the market at the moment? Mm. And as you say, when, by mixing with all those groups that you've just talked about, you're going to find out what the niches are, where, where the problems that people have that are not being solved. Absolutely. So, And, we, or, and you know, with digitisation, so there's lots and lots of different industries being digitised right now because... We are in the time of COVID. Uh, and Peter Diamandis says, you know, if you want to want to be a billionaire, help a billion people, find an area that hasn't been digitised yet. So yeah. this is a, a remarkable opportunity. And if you have a look at the, all the techie, um, the tech IPOs that have gone through, the tech, um, the tech investments, they're quite high. We're talking to small businesses on this program. Use that information. So explore what that is. Use information. Find out industries that haven't been digitised. And if there are industries within your field that have been digitised, how can you take advantage of that digitisation, bring it into your business mm. so that you create further opportunity for yourself? Yeah, I think, and I think it's important to find those niches, niche or niches, you can have several, than being, gen, being a generalist because you're right, there's a lot of generalists out there, but people don't always know what they're capable of doing. They're, they're just a, a surface area. Yeah, and generalists are really good connectors, I of find. Of course. And that is an amazing opportunity that's actually coming up is that whole area of, of being a generalist uh, because it, it is an increasing field. The ability to connect people um, and to connect different fields, different organisations is a remarkable skill that everybody doesn't have. You know, you mm. really do have to be a generalist, have a lot of people in your network yeah. in order to be able to do that. So it is an emerging field i know lots of connectors that have gone yeah you know i connect all these people and i think you and i are part of that that yeah. industry julian we yeah. connect people connecting people has has yet to be monetized <laughs> and it is a very valuable commodity you know so it's, it's but and it's going to become increasingly so as we move um further into the 2020s great well thanks very much for your time again and next week we look at topic six which is oh which is topic six I've only got topic number five in front of me at the moment. I haven't um, no, got topic it six. Never mind. I've got it is mindset, mindset, mindset. Mindset. So let's look at mindset next week. Fantastic. Yep. Have a good week. We'll talk about mindset next week. We will indeed. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Time for our Harvard Business Review tip.
this particular one, coach employees to be more creative. While creativity is not 100% malleable, personality does set limits. It can still be nurtured through deliberate interventions, especially over a long period of time. If you're trying to teach someone to be more creative, give lots of feedback. This is essential in helping people close to the gap, close the gap between their confidence and their competence. Those who don't get enough feedback or ignore it only end up being creative in their own minds. You can also provide training in creative thinking, for example, teaching people to detect novel ideas, take on challenging tasks, retrieve knowledge outside their expertise, or combine unrelated ideas can all boost creativity. But one of the most effective methods for unleashing creative potential is simply assigning people to tasks they love. If you can increase someone's motivation, particularly intrinsic motivation, his or her creativity performance will also likely increase. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to look at getting less less corruption in business operations with anti-corruption lawyer Vania Holt. We'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christina and more business and and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Richard Branson once said, a business has to be involving, it has to be fun and it has to exercise your creative instincts. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.